Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today and we've got a great podcast today. It's a panel discussion that's based on the real estate workshop that we just came out of, which was an amazing weekend. So I first of all want to welcome my uh coaching friends, <laughs> my team here with coaching, Frank Pulley and Mike Davis. Can you all say hi? Hey, we're glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Great. Well, we were just chatting before we went live on the podcast here about what an amazing weekend it was with the Wealth Builders Real Estate Workshop. Uh, Billy was on fire. Can we just say that? Yes. <laughs> I've never heard him teach. I was like, how much is in this guy, right? How can there be new things every time recently that we hear him speak? He's just really, um, really getting some revelation on real estate spiritually and everything. So if you weren't able to be a part of this workshop, I encourage you, we've got a USB available that you can purchase. Go to wealthbuilders.org and you'll see right there for products from the real estate or go into the shop. And uh, it was over 20 sessions on real estate and it was the best yet. It just keeps getting better and better. So today on the podcast, we're going to be covering some questions that we didn't get to during the real estate workshop. We had about 100 people that were uh, registered for the live stream. We had about 100 people that were in person. We had actually sold out and we do Q&A sessions And we just had more questions and we had time to answer. So we thought this would be great to share these Q&As with all of you. So let's go ahead and get started, guys. Uh, The first question is, with such high demand currently for housing, what do you think will change in the next 18 months to three years? And so, Frank, let's start with you on that one. Well, I mean... It's hard telling unless you're God, but I believe that with interest rates going up and the foreclosure starting, which by the way, I don't think is going to just slam the market. I think you're going to see a softening of uh, housing prices, but um, on the short term, I think you're going to find that there are some people going to get knocked out of buying a house that may come back again when it goes back down. But I think as an investor, it's a great opportunity because the average investor that does, is not in the know is going to throw their hands up and say, oh, these interest rates, I'm going to get out of the game. So throw it over to Mike because I'm sure he's got a lot to say too. Yeah, great. Mike. Well, I definitely believe that. Well, the feds have actually said they are going to increase the, the rates and that's to curb the inflation. And uh, so they may uh, rise quite uh, quite a bit in the next 18 months. So, uh, but this is the bottom line as well. Because of that, just like Frank said, supply will increase because people won't be buying as much. 
And right now they are, the experts are saying it's going to take five years for the supply to even catch up. Mm -hmm. So that may mean that it could catch up if the supply starts uh, building up and then interest rates increase and people aren't buying as much. Maybe it cuts it down to four years where supply really catches up. The bottom line is when the supply starts increasing, you will see a softening in the prices. You will. But the bottom line is, is what we talked, Karen, right through the, the whole yes. workshop. And that is the numbers. It's what you need to be focused on. And it really doesn't matter if you're paying 4% or 6% interest. If you're cash flowing and the numbers are working, it's a good deal. Yeah, I agree. And uh, going back to the workshop too, another reason that you are going to want this USB is that Billy spent a lot of time laying the groundwork on what's happening in the economy. And he updated, he had Hannah updating like a hundred charts. And so there is a lot of data in the PowerPoints, which is part of the USB. Not only do you get the video recordings, you get the PowerPoints and it really helps understand perspective on this. So yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of investors, if they're new and they haven't maybe, you know, been educated the way that that Billy has been educating us and, and all you guys have been sharing, uh, something like this new interest rate market is going to maybe cause them to get out of the game because they don't know the right things to look for. So I look at this, I think you guys do too. I actually think it's going to be a great season of opportunity for real estate investors, particularly those that know the metrics that we talk about to be able to find those deals. Hey, we made money when interest rates were six, seven, eight percent. It's just a matter of crunching your numbers. There you go. That's awesome. Very good. Thank you. All right. This was a question that came up. We had a couple people asking about this. This is from Eugene, who is at, he's 93 and he was at the workshop. Oh, amazing. And he says, what effect will illegal immigrants coming across the Rio Grande have on our economy? Mike, can I start, start with you on that one? All right. I do. You know, you've, there's two different sides to this. I know some people say, oh, they're going to be taking jobs and it's going to uh, cost the, the government and medical uh, because the government's going to start taking care of them in the medical field. And, and that's been true. You could see that. And uh, but on the positive side, uh, there are some businesses and I know some people may disagree with this. And let me just say this. I'm not agreeing or, or saying that the border should be open. I'm definitely not saying that one thousand percent. But uh, if you can look at something positive out of the negative, and that is, is that there's going to be businesses that will have cheap labor. Can I say that? And uh, that will help. Me. And there's these. Uh, jobs, a lot of Americans don't even want to take these jobs. And so the people crossing the border, they just want some kind of money coming in. And so um, there will be businesses that can have some cheap labor. And so, but the bottom line is, I believe it is a negative effect because it's going to cost our government. It's going to cost the medical and um, we will pay. Who pays for that? You know, people say free, but no, we are paying for that. Exactly. That's great, Mike. Frank? Well, I, I agree with Mike. I think in the long run, the net effect is going to be a negative. However, um, having grown up um, on a farm with orchards and things like that, and I still am my roots and, and I still communicate with those people, the illegal immigrants will do a lot of the, uh, 
the jobs that people are not taking right now. And some businesses are suffering because they're they're trying to get people to work for them. And after this pandemic, things are just have kind of gone south. I think also as as uh, for rentals, especially the more inexpensive rentals, I think you're going to find that's going to increase demand. That's really interesting. I think uh, I think that this is going to cause the housing industry and a lot of regulatory agencies to have to figure out what does this look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do we how do we stay compliant with potentially um, renting to people that might not be here yeah. <laughs> legally, right? Yeah. And so there's going to have to be a lot of direction and in, in regulation around that. But I really appreciate you guys' perspectives and bringing, you know, some silver lining to this to sure. the table. So thank you so much. All right. Next question. How do you recommend finding a good, reliable person as a contractor for renovation? Mike, let's start with you. Well, if you've got a great realtor slash property manager you should be able to get information from them. And we've said this in the workshop as well, is that the real estate investment clubs in your town, your local area, they are really good about sharing information like this. They'll even say, hey, man, I found a great contractor. I've had him for five years. He, he will do you a good job. And so if you can start networking, I'll tell you what, you can find some good people that will have great prices for you, Karen. Awesome. Frank? Well, I think to find a good contractor, again, all of the things Mike said, but I think it's important as an investor to make sure that you keep your costs in line, understand what things have to be done when, you know, you don't paint the walls after the carpeting goes in, if, if you can help it, and that sort of thing, but learn some of the lingo so that you're not, you know, an absolute newbie. And uh, Karen, you might mention what we may have coming up as far as being able to share uh, um, you know, uh, which I say uh, sources for yes. labor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that we are going to be rolling out at Wealth Builders is what we call preferred providers. And uh, in there, it's just in the very basic stages right now. But one of the things we found with coaching clients and people uh, that are part of the Wealth Builders family is that they do want to be able to get referrals on different, you know, professional people like real estate agents, insurance agents. And now the Wealth Builders family coaching clients are investing all over the United States. And so with that, as we continue to connect people in different markets, we feel like it's going to be a real blessing for those people that are getting into real estate investing and wanting to find the right people to do these things. So thanks for mentioning that, Frank. Next question is, how do you recommend using cost segregation with investment real estate? Frank. Well, that term threw me, you guys, as, as you know, so I looked it up and it's really just another way of saying accelerated uh, depreciation. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're going to hold a property for uh, 27 and a half years, and you're going to use all of the depreciation for that. There's no reason to depreciate your carpeting, your appliances, and things like that because they're unlikely going to last 27 and a half years. So, if you got a smart accountant, talk to them about cost segregation or accelerated depreciation and depreciate those assets early. Now, 
if you depreciate them all in like one or two years, I can tell you for sure that you're going to get audited. But a good accountant will depreciate those over what they consider the useful life of these items. Okay, great. Can you, Frank, repeat again what <laughs> I just heard the word audit? Can you repeat what you just said? Well, yeah, because I mean, a, a, uh, a good accountant should say, okay, well, this refrigerator will probably last, you know, 10, 15 years. And, and they can get away with, you know, uh, depreciating that over maybe seven years, five years, seven years. But every once in a while, you'll get a really aggressive accountant that wants to try and depreciate it all at once over one or two years. And that's kind of a red flag for the uh, IRS. I've seen that happen with a couple of investors before, which is why it's important to get a good accountant that understands the needs of a real estate investor. Hey, Frank, if I can just follow that up with a question. So what if somebody owns a property and they have to replace the refrigerator? Can they just write it off as a cash and not depreciate it? Well, you can. I, I believe you can write it off as two as Two different expenses you can just write it off as a you know as an expense but you could also uh write it off as as a you know a capital purchase so to speak and then depreciate it. it out okay okay bottom line is and mike i know that what you're going to tell people is about an accountant can you just share with them what you said about cost segregation yes and i i'm like frank i i googled it and researched it but uh, my accountant has talked with me about that because we bought some things and he's told me, OK, Mike, we can do this over a three to seven year period of time. And since your taxes are looking good this year, what we're going to do is take that to the second and third and fourth and go beyond that. And so uh, just like Frank said, your tax accountant can really, really help you out. And the bottom line is, is so you don't have it's almost kind of like, um, how do I say this? Uh, instead of taking the advantage this year and you're looking good on your taxes, let's just hold off on this. And so he's told me that. So a good accountant can help you out tremendously. Everybody's just a little bit different as far as their circumstances. So there's no yeah. boilerplate answer for some of these questions. Yeah. Uh, one of the sessions that Mike taught on over the weekend is on building your team, your real estate team. And that is such a great teaching, Mike. You always do such a super job on that. And it lays out, I think you had nine, eight or nine different people on the team and how to look for the right person. So if some of you are thinking that, wow, I need a good accountant, I need to understand who I need to put around me, uh, that would be a great thing for you to listen to on that USB. Again, wealthbuilders.org. And you can go to the shop on that. Next question. I want to get some equity out of my home, but I already have a HELOC. Should I pay off the HELOC before I get more money out? I'll take this one, guys, uh, in the financing area. So I think that in most cases, you will want to pay off that HELOC, but your lender is probably going to require you to do so. So if your HELOC is in second position, which most of them are, banks generally are not going to want to go into third position on your property. And so just to explain a little bit what that means is you've got a first lien, which is your primary mortgage. 
then a HELOC or a home equity loan is in second lien position. That's pretty much all that banks want to go for unless they're underwriting it as if it's an unsecured loan. And then they're just taking additional collateral on this. So I don't know if this person has a first mortgage or not, but I, I would definitely, I know rates have gone up a bit, but uh, I would definitely look at still locking in. We're still in a good interest rate environment. And in a rate environment where interest rates are going up, which is where we're at, that HELOC is going to move pretty quickly on you and you're going to see some spikes in that interest rate. The next question, is there a benefit to a shorter inspection period or waiving the appraisal contingency? Mike, let's start with you on that one. Well, if you're the seller, then the shorter, the better, I think. But if you're the buyer, you weren't going to ask it. I did this on one of my properties. Uh, I had a few going at once. And so I just asked my realtor. Uh, she said, uh, your um, inspector guy, is he going to be able to, you know, to do this? And I, and I contacted him and, and he said, no, can we get it pushed back? And so I had to actually push it back. So uh, that as far as the inspection. And let me just say this, that is an important thing. Do not take that for granted. Like, well, if I have time, we'll get it done. And no, that is one of the most important things I've found out. But um, as far as the uh, appraisal, um, and I know Billy has talked about buying properties as is, and because it was a tremendous deal and they waived all of these things. But you really have to know what you're doing, Karen, to uh, waive the appraisal. And I, if you're a new person, I would not want you to, to do that. And so uh, I think the appraisal and the inspection are vitally important and need to be done. Great. Frank? I've done both of those before where I've waived the uh, appraisal contingency. Um, but it was a property we absolutely knew what we were dealing with. You know, a lot of people are waiving that right now in, because they're, you know, they're paying way over, uh, you know, what the appraisal price is, right. which means they have to bring money to the table. But, hey, if that works for them. Now, for investors, not so much. More for a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, if you're going to live in the home, then that's a better thing to do. As far as a shorter inspection period, if you can get it done, a lot of times that, can waive a seller rather than somebody else that wants, you know, a week or 10 days to do the inspection period. And I've, you know, I've actually had a couple of deals where I said, okay, I'll do it within the next 48 hours and was able to get a lower price on the property because the seller thought, well, this guy is serious. And the guy that wants a week and wants this, that, and the other thing is, is not. So we were able to close the deal, but you got to know what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. And that's where that team comes in too, because if you've got an inspector that you give a lot of business to, they're going to drop everything to be able to come and help you on short notice. And I think you're right about the appraisal contingency too. Remember appraisals when they look at comps are lagging. And so in some situations, again, you totally have to know what you're doing, but just realize in some markets, the prices are moving so quickly, but if they're using comps from even three months ago, they're, they're not going to line up. But I do see a lot of people in a primary dwelling that are waiving appraisals, but you have to be really in a strong financial position or know that market uh, to do anything like that in an investor loan just very risky. Yeah. 
All right. Billy talked about cash flow being the key, but the secret sauce is spread. Please expand on this. Frank, can we start start with you on that one? Sure. Well, actually, when you think about it, they're kind of one and the same. I mean, uh, cash flow is important, but let's say that uh, my uh, uh, spread is $300 a month. Well, if I can make that $500 a month, that's going to increase my cash flow. So it is key, but uh, yeah, you've got to make sure that you're making money uh, and, the, and the spread is a great way to uh, calculate that. Great, Mike? I agree. And uh, you know, sometimes maybe uh, it looks better putting 20% down so you don't have to pay the PMI. And uh, so some people say, well, I'm going to do this and try to get as little cash down as well, that PMI could eat into your cash flow. So the spread, the bigger the spread, obviously that's the secret sauce. That's really good. Gosh, thanks guys. This went so fast and you know what? We have so many more questions to go through. So what we'll do is we'll do this again next week on the podcast to just uh, finish answering these questions. But I want to thank you both, Frank and Mike, for uh, being part of the Wealth Builders coaching team we were talking before we went live, just uh, how much we love to work together and how blessed we are to, to be a part of Wealth Builders under Billy and Becky Epperhart, but also just like how much fun we have as a team, right? Oh, yeah. we're, we're like yeah. family and that really extends to everybody in Wealth Builders. So thank you all for joining us weekly on this podcast. If this is the first time you've listened to us, I encourage you go back and listen to previous podcasts. They are of a wealth of information having to do with making sense of making money for making a difference. Again, if you want to get the USB that covers the entire workshop along with the PowerPoint, go to wealthbuilders.org and you can go to the shop. And uh, just always reminding you too, we've got Wealth Builders University at wbuniversity.online. And if you are not on our email list, I encourage you to subscribe. You can go to wealthbuilders.org and you'll receive blogs. You'll receive all the latest information. I think you'll be really blessed if, if you have on your heart to build wealth God's way. So thanks again, guys. God bless you and have an awesome rest of the day. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.